The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. But the important thing, really, to really learn how to give out love and let it come in. Let it come in. Too many of us have a hard time letting it come in. That was the voice of Maury Schwartz, my old professor, and the Maury of Tuesdays with Maury. And you are listening to Tuesday People, the podcast, the last podcast of 2019, or if you're listening to it, 24 hours after it was recorded, the first podcast of 2020. Depending on how you want to do it, I am Mitch Album, the author of Tuesdays with Maury. We do this podcast once a week on Tuesdays in honor of what I learned from my old college professor all those years ago that turned into that book that surprised me and everybody else and became uh, an international book, really. And all these years later, we're revisiting the lessons that Maury taught. And here on this New Year's holiday, we thought uh, it would be a great time to talk about resolutions because that's what New Year's is about. Alongside me is our producer and my friend, Lisa Goitsch. Happy New Year, Lisa. Happy New Year, Mitch. All set for the big celebrations, are you? Are you doing one of those things? Are you a New Year's Eve party person? I do not like going out on New Year's Eve. I don't like people drinking too much and driving. Mm. I, I prefer to stay home. Does that sound boring of me? No, no, not at all. Yeah. I think there are more and more people who do that. I, for the last 10 years, have been in Haiti, where I'll be again by the time we get to this evening, uh, with our orphanage that we operate down there, the Have Faith Haiti Orphanage, and the 50-plus kids there, and we celebrate New Year's every year with the kids, which in Haiti is a, considering there was no New Year's celebration before I got there, uh, it was just another night, and so I sort of imported the best of the New Year tradition without any of the bad stuff. So obviously no alcohol. Uh, but what we do is we have a big dinner of pizza, which is a big treat. Uh, we can get pizza from a hotel that's in Port-au-Prince, and we get that. Pizza and juice nice. and a big sheet cake that says Happy New Year's, and every kid gets a piece, and then they get seconds, which is huge. And then in one of the stranger traditions, and it started the first year I was there, it was maybe, I don't know, 7 o'clock at night on New Year's Eve. And I said, um, you know what would be great is if we could get, like, sparklers. I know that would be impossible, you know, but, but sparklers just would really give it some kind of festive New Year's celebration. And one of the older kids said, oh, I, I can get those. I said, you can get sparklers? And he said, yeah. I said, how much money do you need? He said, just give me $3. I gave him $3. He disappeared. He came back 25 minutes later with a big back of sparklers. Now, Haiti is a place where frequently you can't get toilet paper. You can't get, you know, clean water. But somehow he found sparklers in a bag. Sparklers. Yeah. And we started a tradition where each kid gets to hold the sparkler. If the little ones, we hold them for them carefully. And they make a wish of what they want for the new year. And we put them all in this big bed of dirt. And then when the last sparkler goes out, 
then it's officially New Year's. And all the kids jump up and down and sing the melody to Old Lang Syne. They don't know the words, but they go da 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 And it's New Year's. Happy New Year. We yell Happy New Year. Now, the fact is, it's usually like 10 after 8. <laughs> That's pretty much, right. you know, because they're kids. And a lot of them are three and four years old, so they're not staying up till midnight. But as long as it's dark, it feels like New Year's. And then they go to bed. And then usually by 9 o'clock on New Year's Eve, it's pitch black, and I'm listening to the, you know, whatever's going on out in the streets of Port-au-Prince, and uh, that's how our New Year's is celebrated. But it's lovely because what better way to celebrate New Year's than with children? And they actually make resolutions. I've had them write uh, down what they are promising to do for the next year, and then the following year, I get the old ones out of an envelope, and I read them, and we all read them in front of everybody, and we decide, the group decides, did, you know, this one clean up the yard like he said he was going to do or stop wetting the bed like she said she was going to do or whatever. And, uh, you know, everybody has a good laugh about it. So it brings us to the idea of New Year's resolutions. And this would be uh, a good time to sort of check yourself on your New Year's resolutions. And perhaps if you have found in the past, as many people have, that you make a resolution January 1st, and I I did some research here, and there's a bunch of data that shows heavy activity levels of gym memberships and other sort of uh, taking care of yourself, Weight Watchers, enrollments, all these kinds of things by the second. Already did it. Check. By the second (laughs) of January, it, it hits a peak. Do you know when it starts to go down? The 5th of January. <laughs> a little later than that. The third Thursday of January is oh, usually, okay. but it start, they started to notice a, a data dip in yeah. attendance to the gyms, and it just kind of dro- slowly drops off. So I've already it, ruined mine, by the way. I, I started it isn't even New Year's watchers. yet. I know. I started my Weight Watchers uh, like last week, hmm. and I already messed up by day three but 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 i still i can start but it again doesn't count first. because right it's not the new year yeah. so that was a warm-up right right that was a ramp up. that was a warm i'm practicing that is i'm practicing okay for the first. okay when the first comes <laughs> but if you're like uh well like lisa apparently in this particular regard <laughs> or like a lot of other people you're going to make resolutions that you're probably not going to end up keeping that doesn't mean that they're not good ideas Uh, and and they don't come from the right place. But how about considering an alternative? So we're going to offer three resolutions, three alternatives to the most popular form of resolutions. The first resolution that most people make is to quit something. Quit smoking. Quit drinking. Quit eating so much. Quit, you know, it's usually something like that that has to do with your physical health. The second resolution that most people make is to start something, start working out, start the exercise plan, start the diet, start volunteering, whatever the case may be. And the third thing is take time to do something else. Travel seems to be a, uh, a frequent resolution. This year, we're going to travel. This year, we're going to take time to travel. All right. So we're going to deal with those three things. Quit something. Start something, take time to do something. Now, quitting. Let's begin with quitting. Okay, you could quit smoking. That would be good for you. You could quit drinking. That would be good for you. Quit smoking dope. Quit taking painkillers. Quit going to the bar every night. Quit 
all these types of things. But these are behaviors that more often than not are a byproduct of something else. No one was born smoking. No one was born drinking. Usually, we come to these things because there's something else that we're seeking. We come to smoking because we want to be cool when we're in high school, and then maybe we get addicted to it. Or we come to smoking because we think it makes us calm, although the actual physical science of it is the opposite. It it actually enervates you. We go to drinking because it calms us down or it eases our nerves or it takes away our pain. So what would you suggest to quit that might be more long-lasting than the smoking alone or the drinking alone or the bad habits alone? Well, I would suggest, and there are many, many things to pick from, but I would suggest quit being so hard on yourself. Quit torturing yourself for less than perfection. Maury had something to say about this. Listen. For all the mistakes you made, for all the things you did you shouldn't have, for all the things you did that you should have, forgive yourself. Don't get stuck on your regrets about what the things were that could have been different. It's all water under the bridge. We don't forgive ourselves. We don't cut ourselves a break. We hold ourselves to standards that are maybe not attainable for us. And then what happens? We create anxiety. We create worry. We create stress. What does stress do? What does worry do? What does anxiety do? Makes us physically feel bad. The many manifestations of stress and anxiety are beyond listing. You know, I've gone through a number of bouts with it myself. And you can end up having physical pain in places that you don't think are at all associated with worry. From your legs to your hands to the side of your face, the top of your head to your back to your stomach. And in the end, it can all be related to stress, worry, anxiety, not living up to something. And so what do we end up doing frequently? We smoke a cigarette. We overeat. We eat sometimes the very things that are the worst for us. You know, you're feeling bad. You're anxious. I, gotta, I, I just want some comfort food. Give me a cookie. Maybe the worst thing you could eat because the cookie's got sugar right. in it. The sugar elevates your levels and then you you know start to worry even more. And we don't understand why we don't feel better. So many of the things that we think about quitting, actually, we might not be so inclined to do if we first quit the causes that might lead us to that. And one of those causes is impossible standards that we're going to hold ourselves to, including New Year's resolutions, right? Some New Year's resolutions are just not realistic. This year, I'm going to drop 100 pounds. It's really hard to lose 100 pounds in a year. First of all, if you need to lose 100 pounds, take your time. It's never smart to try to lose 100 pounds in two months. It's never going to stay off. Right. It's not going to work. <laughs> not gonna so if you've got that, that's more than a year anyhow. That's a, that's a whole uh-huh. life cycle change or things like that. This year, my resolution, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be you know, vice president by the end of the year of my company. 
may or may not be in your control. And if you set that as a resolution and it's impossible to reach, you have now created what? More stress, more worry, more anxiety. And it all comes from being too hard on yourself or holding yourself up to some ridiculous standard. Now, I'm not talking about morality. I'm not talking about ethics. I'm not talking about, well, therefore, I can do whatever I want to whomever I want. No, you can never do that. And you should never allow yourself the luxury of diminished expectations for your own behavior as a good human being. So I'm not saying that. But the standards of, I'm going to accomplish this, I'm going to achieve this, I'm a failure if I don't do this, if I'm not married by the end of this year. Have you know people who actually have said that about their marital status, that they set a like timeline by which, if they're not married, they would consider themselves a failure, an age or something oh, like yes. that? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. What do you think about I think it's that? more prominent with women than it is with men. Yeah. Men don't oh. seem to care as much. But I was just watching Dolly Parton's Code of Many Colors yesterday. Mm-hmm. And this teacher, I, I think she was a school teacher in the movie, she made a comment. She said to little Dolly, little Dolly said, well, you can wear this brooch when you get married. And the teacher says, oh, Dolly, I'm 26 years old. I'll never be married now or something Hmm. like that. And I was like, wow, 26 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Well, to set a a numerical date, uh, something as critical as being married, is to set an impossible standard. If I'm going to be married by the end of this year, I don't think that's a good New Year's resolution. And I think when you find yourself probably pushing too hard to be married, the partner's probably going to react to that, and chances are you're not going to end up married, and then you're going to be doubly frustrated. So if you're going to quit something, quit these high-level expectations that are not realistic and that cause you to be angry at yourself, and try to come to a peace and a forgiveness, if you will, of, of past things, of where you are now. And once you do that, then your expectations become more realistic. Yeah, and like you said, too, a lot of the times they are out of your control. So there's nothing you can do. You can't really determine when you're going to get married unless you're the one who's asking the other person to marry you. You know, right. And some people set those, those goals and they don't even have somebody in their life yet. Right. So now you have to still right. find somebody. I've got 12 months meet to meet them. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> meet them, like them, get engaged. <laughs> yeah. And by Christmas, right. we'll get married. Yeah. So that's yeah. the first thing. Quit. If you're going to quit something, quit setting standards for yourself that are impossible to achieve, quit being so down on yourself. And then maybe the smoking, the junk food eating, whatever else it is that you want to stop doing will come more naturally to you because the motivations behind them won't be there. That's number one. Number two, start something, okay? It's never bad to start something. I'm all for starting as many different things as you can. People start exercising, the volume of health club memberships in January exceeds all the other months of the year. Does every year. This is why you will no doubt in the course of the next few days, just pay attention to if you're in the car and listen to the radio, billboards, television, you will see more ads for fitness centers and companies and drinks and spas and health clubs than you ever it's see. It's January. January right. is, is the, they make their hay. I mean, people sell chocolate at Christmas time and gym memberships right. at New Year's time <laughs> to get rid of the chocolate Perfect. that you had at Christmas time. Right. Yeah. 
And you are going to see this in the next few months. So starting to exercise. Okay. That's the single biggest one by far, starting to exercise. That's great. Hopefully you continue to exercise. Starting, I don't know, another, another self-help thing. I'm going to start doing yoga. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start cleaning my office once a week. I'm going to start making the bed every day. I'm going to, little things around the house. These are all good. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I, there's no fault to be found in that. But if I were to pick something to start in a new year, I would focus more on what you heard Maury hinting at at the very top of the show, and that is about love. Listen to what he had to say here. Too many of us have a hard time letting it come in. We think we don't deserve it. We think that, you know, if you let it in, you'll become too soft, or you'll be taken advantage of. All kinds of excuses. But this guy Levine said it right. He said, love is the only rational act. I think that's so true. Let love in. If I had to make a resolution over many of my years looking back, and perhaps it's the same for those of you listening to us, it would be to not only to be better at loving people, but start to let people love you. How many of you can't take a compliment? How many of you almost automatically don't want somebody to do you a favor, even though you may do favors for other people? How many of you don't want a fuss made over their birthday? How many of you don't want a Christmas present? How many of you maybe just came through Christmas and told people, I don't want you to get me anything. Don't get me anything. Told your husband or your wife, your brother, your sister, your kids, don't get me anything. I understand when people say that because they feel like they have everything they need. But there's also a part of that that just is sort of saying, I don't, don't get closer. I'm good where we are here. You know, I I know that you love me. You've told me, I know we're good, all, all that. Well, that's not the same as letting love in. And when Maury got sick and suddenly didn't have a whole lot of choice but to sort of be propped up in a chair each day, suffering from ALS, and having to just relish people coming to visit him, then what he was really saying, uh, what he really found, and what he said, and you heard him say here, was he had to learn to sort of let people care about him. And he discovered that this was a very good almost forced exercise for him, that he had to just sort of accept people's love and let it wash over him. And he found it to be an enormously uh, freeing experience. And I will say as someone who I've had a hard time accepting people loving me, you know, liking was okay. I was good with liking, but getting too close to me or caring too much about me, I've had hard times with. And when you finally allow yourself to be loved by, you know, your spouse or your children or whatever, and you really allow them to express themselves to you, it's really a beautiful thing. And it's something that we probably don't do enough of, you know. I had a, we have a couple of kids who come up, they're here now from the orphanage that we operate. They're in college. Mm -hmm. And I've always just felt 
it's my obligation to take care of them. And we got them into college, took them to college. You know, they come and stay on weekends at our house. And uh, during the summer times, we eat regularly with them. I check in with them all the time. How you doing on classes and all that? But I just feel that, you know, this is my responsibility. I, I you know, took on the responsibility of the orphanage. Uh, my name is on the paperwork. And so it's, you know, part of what I need to do. And the times that they'll say thank you or something, I always, it's, it's okay, you know, it's okay, it's okay. I tell them that I love them, but it's okay, I don't expect a lot in return. And the other day, I got a, I uh, was looking through my papers, and I opened up a card that they had gotten me, which I had probably in my sort of, ah, I don't need fusses made over me, didn't open. And now I opened it, and it was this beautiful card from the two of them saying to me, thank you for being a father to us, you know, and thank you for for treating us like a father should treat us and caring for us as our father. Now, I have never told them or any of our kids, I'm your father. I've never said, call me dad or we we don't do that. And I recognize that along the way, they've had their own fathers. Some they've known, some have died, some they never knew. But I read that card and you know, for whatever it was at that moment, I just sort of relaxed and let that hit me. And it was beautiful to to have that feeling, to accept that love from them, which is something I generally sort of poo-poo, mm-hmm. really made me feel good, you know? Really made me feel something that I don't normally let myself feel. And that's what I mean by sort of allowing people to love you right. the way that they want to. Why do you think you do that? Why do you think people do that? Well, that's a good question. Um, Disappointment, perhaps, potential disappointment that like, well, if I allow myself to be loved or expect to be loved and I don't get it back the way I want it, then I'm setting myself up for disappointment. So better just not to expect anything from someone, just just to give. I'll just give. I'll just give. But I, I won't take because that way I won't be let down if it's not the kind of love that I want. And mm-hmm. what you, what Maury would say was, you have to accept love the way that people show it to you, right? And That's be important. willing, right? Be willing to take it. You can't dictate the way that they're going to express it to you, but putting up a wall against it isn't the right thing either. So if you're going to start something, there's an idea. You could start allowing, as Maury said, let love in. It's a kind of esoteric concept, but I think it would calm you down and and make you realize that every day there are people around you who love you and more than just the I love you bye see you a lot love you bye that kind of love mm-hmm. you but but you know really feel that love from somebody and the last thing make time for something that's the resolution that is the third most common make time for and what most people seem to say is they want to make time to travel that's the most popular thing make time to travel Others make time to learn a new language, make time to go back to school. That's all good. All good things. Nothing wrong with any of that. But if I were to throw one on there, and this is kind of inside baseball a little bit uh, for this podcast, but I would say make time for someone in your life who maybe you have lost touch with. Consider yourself close to, but don't really put the time in. Now, if you haven't gotten where I'm going with this already, uh, that is the underpinning of Tuesdays with Maury. 
it took me seeing Maury dying on television and telling Ted Koppel on a Nightline broadcast that he had ALS. That's what it took to get me to get back in touch with him after 16 years being in college together and all that. 16 years, I was too busy to take the time, find the time to, on a New Year's resolution, go back and see him. Even though in my head, I always talked fondly about him. Oh, I love Maury Schwartz. Maury Schwartz is a great professor. Oh, he's a great guy. He's great. But I didn't take the time to go see him. I didn't take the time to call him. I didn't take the time to write him. But in my mind, I was a, I was a good former student. In my mind. Right. There's a difference between what you tell yourself and the time you actually put in. And if there is someone in your life who you've fallen out of touch with, but yet you always considered a friend, don't wait for that, we'll have a reunion one day thing. Or one day I'll be in that city and we'll have a great weekend together. Make the phone call now. Take the time now. Don't wait for Nightline to do a Ted Koppel episode. The the odds are pretty small against that. Um, The number of people who have told me, have come up over the years and have said, after I read your book, I called whoever it was, my old teacher, my first grade teacher, my art teacher, my long lost cousin, whoever it was, and we got back in touch and now we see each other all the time. That makes me so proud for Maury that his lessons inspired people to get back in touch with one another, to make the time to find somebody. Here is Maury talking to me a little bit about how he remembered me and why we were once close in college. And when I listen to it, I always find myself saying, how did I ever fall out of touch with this guy? Listen. I was a lot more uh, hard-edged, I think, back then. Cautious. Cautious, yeah. Yeah. Shy. Yeah. Yeah. Uncertain about what this is all about. I remember you talking about this kind of group of kids that you had who were a real tough bunch. And you were thinking, my God, if they saw me in this kind of softy position, right. what would they think? Right. And you were worried about that. Yeah. I wasn't much into the touchy-feely stuff. No. no. You know, I didn't come to college searching for that either. I mean, I went to college. I wanted to be a musician. Right. So it wasn't like, well, let me get to college so I can explore my, my touchy-feely side, you know. No, well, maybe there was some part of you that wanted that side opened up to some degree. And we wanted, as I said before, students to know that there's more things to learn than there are in books. And the thing I felt with you is you were a very smart kid and you had a lot of talent and you had this sort of clear, sort of almost Isaac Bashiva Singer style of writing, very simple, very clear, very to the point, unambiguous, and you knew exactly what you were trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And I felt that you had some of my same problem. You hid your light under a bushel. So you can hear in that exchange, perhaps, that he knew me very well. He considered me very close, and so did I. You can hear us talking about it as if, oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember. But this was 16 years without right. a word before we finally had this discussion. 
don't do what I did. Don't follow my mistake. If you're going to take time for something this year, take time to find somebody who once made a big difference in your life, perhaps, and in your mind maybe still does, but in your time is not. Note the difference between your mind and your time. And if they don't match up, if you say, this person is so important to me, they're so important to me, they're such a really important person in my life. And then someone says, and when was the last time you saw them? Nine years ago. <laughs> like, okay. Right. Then there's a gap. Close the gap. Yeah. You know what's really hard about that, I think, is that we live in the social media world right now. So we have a lot of these superficial uh, connections. So I'm just thinking of one of my college roommates, for instance. I keep saying, oh, I have to call her so we have a nice conversation or she lives in Colorado. Not too hard to go there from where I live. Let me go see her, you know, in Colorado. Right. But it never happens. And I feel so guilty about that. But then I know that we talk on social media. We occasionally see each other. And I, I guess you think that that's enough, but it really isn't enough. No. Because when you see each other, you get a lot deeper that's right. into that relationship. That's right. It's, it's too easy on social media for someone to say a quick hello and make a joke and you make a joke back and it's like, ha, with an exclamation point. And people feel like we had a connection, we had a conversation, we had our time together, it was great, we laughed. I don't have to talk to that person again for another couple of weeks. Right. You know? But right. that wasn't a conversation. Right. It, was a, it was a texted laugh. And... You're absolutely right when you say that. You, you, it kind of feels like, well, okay, I'm good with that person. Let me move on to somebody else. But right. that's not the same as really taking time. And I'm so glad that Maury and I did not exist in a time of email or texting that I had to call him to reconnect with him. And I may have told you this story, Lisa. I may have told our audience a story maybe in the first episode. But the very first phone call, I never wrote this in the book, but the very first phone call I made to Maury after he was on Nightline. I was nervous. I didn't know what to say. I hadn't talked to him for all those years, but I felt bad he was dying from this disease. I can't ignore him. And again, I guess I could have written a letter, but knowing that he couldn't write back because he explained in the Nightline episode that he couldn't write, I thought that that was kind of mean. And so I was forced to a phone call, not a computer, not an email, not a text, a phone call. And when I was back in college, I used to call Maury coach. It was, you know, a sports affectation. I coach, how you doing, coach? I don't know where it came from, but that's what I always used to call him. So when I called his number and I was nervous, you know, like I dialed the first six digits and then I hung up and I dialed the first six digits again, he hung up, you know, until I got my right. nerve. And finally I dialed and a nurse answered. And I said, uh, yes, could I please speak to Maury Schwartz? And she didn't ask who I was. No screening. Uh-huh. Right. I hear the phone kind of fumbling a little bit, and then I hear his voice, hello, you know. And I said, Professor Schwartz, I didn't even call him Maury, Professor Schwartz, this is Mitch Album. I was a student of yours in the 70s. I don't know if you remember me. And the first thing he said to me after 16 years, how come you didn't call me coach? Ah. That was the first thing that he said to me. Right. That doesn't come in an email or a text. He probably had me at that sentence coming to visit him after he said that. And I'm so glad right. we had that moment, you know, because it proved to me how long I had gone without connecting with him. Well, that was like a hug. You know what I mean? I yeah. see that when he said that. That was like a big reaching out and hugging you. That right. was really sweet. Right. So you're right. You, you can't get that through email. can't get that through a fast text. 
So if you're going to make time for something, make time for somebody in your life who you consider critical, but perhaps your time isn't matching up. That will be as good as making time to travel, making time to take French lessons, all the rest of those things. So we've gone through what you can quit, what you can start, and what you can make time for. We hope those suggestions are good ones as you head into the new year and maybe make your resolutions a little more doable because on top of everything else, all three of those things may actually be more tenable and more likely to happen than some of the high lofty goals that we set about I'm going to lose 100 pounds or I'm going to run a marathon or whatever it is. Uh, And you might be happier uh, that they resolve. We will be here through the 2020 year, and we're so happy to have you joining us now in this podcast, which will enter its sort of its second calendar year now. Uh, And coming up in in the month of January, we're going to put into effect a number of other elements that will make you feel even more part of the Tuesday People podcast. Lisa, you want to share them with people? Well, we continue to grow our Facebook uh, Tuesday People group page community. And it's so great. Everybody has, is very active and supportive of one another. And people will, you know, post very personal stories, which I, I just love reading. And, and it's, I, I, I'm very happy for, for that page. And also, we want to continue our Tuesday People Storyline, which is our telephone line, hotline that you can call to leave us messages. Uh, the phone line number is 248 248- Six two one four seven zero one two four eight six two one four seven zero one. This is a place where you can leave messages about maybe previous shows, previous conversations, topics you might want us to cover. And Mitch, you can tell them about the next step with the phone line that we're going to start. Right. This month or the month of January, we're going to start putting out through our social media the topics that we'll be discussing on future shows. And we're going to have designated times in which you can call in between, you know, let's say it between noon and one on Wednesday, January, blah, blah, blah. And I will be there to answer the phone, as will Lisa. And we're going to actually talk with you about those particular issues and then incorporate some of those conversations into our podcasts. So it's as interactive as a podcast can be, given that podcasts aren't generally live, Although sometimes they are. Yeah. Uh, And uh, this way we get to talk to you and hear your voices as well. So that'll be part of the hotline number all coming up in January. So much to look forward to. We want to wish all of you uh, a a great, great 2020. First with health, because with health you can do anything. And then with happiness and with family and with love. Way down the line is a Peloton bike. Way down the line. Uh, And uh, we are so grateful to have you here. So Happy New Year to you, Lisa, once more. To you too, Mitch. And to all of you. And Tuesday people. Yeah, and all of you listening to our Tuesday People podcast. Have a great New Year's, a great start of 2020, and we'll see you next year. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.